Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. Okay, so 2020 Vision is perfect. Okay, perfect segue then for what we're trying to discuss this morning. Uh, Now, let me kind of just go back last week real quickly what I was talking about. We mentioned this idea that we're more designed as an aircraft carrier than a cruise ship. Okay, so what we do specifically on Sunday mornings in our gatherings is not designed to like solely entertain you or be some sort of performance. Instead, our gatherings are really meant to be a place of connection. We, we long for you to connect with the Father in this time uh, through musical worship, through a time in the Word, uh, just genuinely have an authentic moment with Him, connecting with Him, but we also want to connect with each other. And I think sometimes what, what happens, churches, is it's, it's easy. It's, this isn't an indictment. We can all do it, but we can get off center and, and make this building the ultimate destination of your spiritual life. And when that happens, it, it gives this false persona that you've met some sort of spiritual quota by attending a Sunday morning event or what we would call a gathering. And, and that's not how God has made us to be. That That's not where it necessarily equates to the utmost spiritual maturity that you attended something on a Sunday morning. We believe as the people of God that we have a mission of living for Jesus Christ every day. Okay, that's what we're about, living this thing out every day, this relationship that we have with the Father through the Son on a daily, consistent basis. Living for Jesus is not meant to be, hey, on Sunday I live for Jesus, then live for the world every other day. Okay, we're not trying to wrap up that we pretend to be someone we're not just on Sunday because we think that's the spiritual thing to do. We want to be an everyday Christian because it's a relationship, it's an identity, it's who we are, and that's why we're called everyday church. And so this building isn't the ultimate spiritual destination. We get that. This, we find high value in meeting, okay, and gathering, and we, we've talked about that, and we'll talk about that. But, but this isn't just the checkoff, and, and we did some sort of, hey, we had church type of moment because we met in some building. In fact, you know that we don't call this the church, okay, the building, because that's not what a church is. But some people, I can remember when we uh, were first given the responsibility to meet in this building, given the opportunity to meet here, that uh, I remember comments here and there like, hey, we finally made it. We're now a church. Like, no, this building did not just then somehow equate us as a church. We've always been a church. When we were meeting at Wayland Bond School or when we were meeting in an event center, Westminster Event Center, when we were meeting in the Palacio shops in a strip mall, that didn't mean we weren't a church. Then we've always been a church since God created us and given us brothers and sisters in Christ and a, a local faith family. We've been a church. It wasn't just because of this building, but sometimes people don't just associate the building with a, a church. They'll associate what happens on the Sunday morning. They'll say, well, I had my church. I, I, I showed up, had church, and then I went off and lived for the devil, you know, or whatever the case may be. It's like they just said, hey, I had church, and so I'm good with God because I had church. Well, that's not accurate as well. We shouldn't think, hey, man, I had church today, and so I'm good till next week. Church isn't an event. Okay, having church is living our lives as the people of God in an unmistakable way in the world. Okay, we want to go be the church. All right, yes, we, we are brothers and sisters in Christ and we're a faith family, but we're also a faith family in action and, and living it out and being the church to a lost and dying world. And so, of course, we want to connect with God, we want to connect with each other, and then we want to be sent. Okay, we, we, we want to be on mission for Jesus. 
I mean, that's why Jesus came. He died for us. He saved us from the penalty of sin. He's given us an abundant life, a new life, so that we would go live for him. The abundant life that Jesus has for you is to be lived out with loved ones, friends, acquaintances in the marketplace, in the home, in the neighborhood, in the world. It's not meant to be some sort of holy huddle, and that's it. We are to be the church, to live out this faith in Jesus on a daily basis. And so that's why we're more like an aircraft carrier. We come, yes, to refuel, to connect, to hear the mission, and to be sent, to be sent out as the church. And so that really begs the question for us, what is our mission collectively? We talk a lot about individual followers of Christ, what our mission is and who we are supposed to be as a son of the king or daughter of the king. And, and that all plays a role. But I want to talk more collectively and as a community, what is our mission as a church? And so I want to explain that this week and the next couple of weeks about why we started every day and what that looks like. And then specifically out of that mission, I want to be very clear and bring that clarity we talked about last week with 2020 vision about how that can play out in 2020. But you guys know the ultimate mission statement of Everyday Church, right? You, you all have it memorized. It's super easy to memorize, so I hope you have it. Anyone in this room have it? You know, like, hey, that's our mission statement. I got it. I know what it is. Yeah, I could quote it. Okay, some of you are shaking your head because you don't want to raise your hand. You don't want to be called on, and you're scared to death right now. I get it. Mason, you kind of like, do you think you know the mission statement of Everyday Church? All right, what is it, brother? <laughs> He's got his hand up, but he doesn't want to say it. If I started you reaching, that's close. Okay, what? Okay, reaching the city to reach the world. One day at a time. All right, good job, E58. All right, so we, did, we got there. That, now, that's much braver than some of y'all, right? Chad, I'm proud of you. Okay, you got it. That was good. Reaching the city to reach the world one day at a time. Okay, now let's, let's get this in our minds so it works our way into our heart. Let's memorize this real quick. Okay, everyone say reaching the city. Reaching the city. To reach the world. One day at a time. Okay, we can do this. All right. Now, Nick, clear the screen. I'm going to say one, two, three, and you're going to tell me the whole thing. One, two, three. Okay, now, are you like me? See, when I used to study for tests and everything, I could, I could pour in some information, but as soon as that was downloaded, downloaded onto the paper, I, it was gone, right? I, I, that's just how I'm wired. I can pour it in for sure, and I'll soak it up, but as soon as I release it in some capacity, that joker's gone. It doesn't come back. That's just how I would get through school, which is sad, I know, forgive me, but that's how I kind of got through it. And that's how I made good grades. I would pour it in, pour it out, and then it was gone forever. But let's not let that happen with this. Reaching the city to reach the world one day at a time. That's who we are. Now, I want us to memorize it, of course, in the head. But I want it to work its way down into our heart. And I want to focus on that first part. Now, some of you know it's painted out here on the wall. And we put it on a lot of our information. And we've talked about it before. But I want us to know it with our heart, because this reaching the city part is crucial. All of it is, but we kind of can summarize it in, in uh, one word. Okay, we, we are reaching the city, and, and the general, general sentiment of this idea is that we want to reach the OKC metro area for Christ. Okay, we're passionately wanting to see people, and here's this one key word, saved. 
So if, if we were going to say we're reaching the city, the, the, the word that would encompass that little phrase there is we want to see people saved. Now, if you haven't been around a, a church type of setting or, or read scripture, you might say, what does that mean, saved? Well, this is a big word for us, and it's very important. And I want to explain it. But before I explain that, look visually at kind of this map of where we're heading. Okay, so if reaching the city is saved, then we want to see people reach the world sent. And then we want to see that happen one day at a time. And we'll talk about those other words. But this first one, reaching the city saved, it's all going to kind of be a cyclical ongoing situation. Even the word saved, there's this process called sanctification that is happening where we're becoming more and more like Christ. But ultimately, uh, let's talk about what the word saved means. Saved is a biblical description where we were kind of lost, but now we're found. But ultimately, it means we were saved from the penalty of sin, from an afterlife apart from God, and then we were saved from an earthly life void of hope and peace and purpose. That's what we're saved from. We're saved from the penalty of sin, that we have been declared righteous and innocent. We're, we're saved from an afterlife apart from God. We now know that we have a home secure in heaven for eternity. And we're also saved from this earthly life that is void of hope and, and purpose and peace. But we have a, a life with purpose here and now and a life that can be filled with peace and a life that is guided and, and, and led by the Holy Spirit in us. And so if you've been saved, you've experienced that, you've had that encounter where you put your faith and trust in Jesus, the natural result of that is I want to see others saved. You have been reached and so you want to reach others. Okay, a genuine follower of Christ really has no other option but to reach others because reached people reach people. And so if we want to reach this city, it's through reached people because that's what happens. There's, there's a law in nature. Like produces like. Okay? What it is is what it's going to be. A tomato is going to produce a tomato because that's what it is. That's its nature. Cattle going to produce cattle. Pandas, pandas. Well, Reach people are going to reach people. And so if you're a disciple of Christ, you should be making more disciples of Christ. Because like is going to produce like. The reality is it's not just my job to reach this city. And so this church mission statement isn't Pastor John's personal, only fits him mission statement. Reaching the city to reach the world one day at a time. I have the job to reach the city, but not because I'm the pastor of everyday church, because I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a, his follower and reach people, reach people. But somewhere along the way, we have created a culture in, in, in Christendom where it's only the professional pastor or minister that can reach people for Jesus. And that's not how it should be. And that's not how it, Christianity started. It isn't just my job. It is my job, okay? But it's every believer's call to reach people. You've been reached. You've put your faith and trust in Jesus. You have been saved. And now that you know what it is to be saved, you are hungry, desperate, longing for others to be saved as well. And so it shouldn't just be, hey, bring them to me so that they can come to know Jesus. It's, I want to help you lead someone to Jesus. What I want to do is to equip you in leading someone to Jesus without me. That is a passion of mine. That is a heart of mine. That is my desire is to help you lead someone to Jesus without me. 
because it would be a little creepy if I always had to be with you. I don't think a single person in this room, or let's just even say this building, my wife included, wants me to be with them 24-7, 365. If you do, we need to take you to a mental hospital and get you checked out. I don't even want to be with myself 24-7, 365. That's how bad it is. Right? No one wants that. And so I want to help you be able to lead people to Jesus even on your own. I mean, if we play this out and you have been praying for someone that doesn't know Jesus, whether they're a kid in your school or whether a coworker, or maybe you're a regular at a coffee shop and you've befriended some of the baristas, whatever scenario it is, but you really are praying and you're seeking and you're waiting for that opportunity and you're given that opportunity, you step into it with great divine boldness, God is in this moment, you share and you even have the courage to say, would you want to put your faith in Jesus? Would you like to give your life to Jesus? And they say, yes. And you're like, okay, next Sunday, you're going to get to know him because my pastor is going to lead you to Jesus. It's going to be awesome. I know it's Monday. Don't die before then. I'll see you Sunday at our next gathering. That's, that's kind of weird, right? No. You have everything within you to be able to lead someone, Jesus, on your own. If you are a follower of Christ, let me encourage you today. You can do it. You Jonathan, you, Carly, you, Jason, you, Linda, you, Brittany, you can reach this city. If I didn't say your name, you can too. You can reach this city. You have everything at your disposal to lead someone to faith in Jesus Christ. You do. And if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have access to his word. You have a testimony. You, everything is there. Every tool is in the toolbox for you to lead someone to Jesus. You're equipped for the job. But before you reach this city, you're going to have to understand you have the responsibility to reach the city. Because some of you think it's only my responsibility and not yours, and that's why you're not reaching people for Jesus. And we got to fix that, right? We got to have this understanding today. You're like, why did I show up? Because I don't want to carry that. You got to carry it. And that, that shouldn't be a heavy burden. It should be a joy because reach people, reach people. You have this responsibility to reach the city. We can go back to the first followers of Jesus Christ. We go to Luke chapter 5. I would love for you to find this uh, passage in Scripture. We'll start with verse 1. But this is one of the early encounters Jesus had with his disciples. And they had a big decision to make. But Jesus made it crystal clear what the expectation was. Any frustration you have in any relationship is when an expectation goes unmet. Many times those expectations were unspoken, and so it wasn't clear. Jesus makes it very clear what the expectation is. Luke chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. Now, I do want to pause here for a second because I think this is important to notice. See, in the life of Jesus... A lot of interesting things <laughs> took place. That's, that's understated, right? But it, even in this small little verse, there's a great crowd pressing in on him to hear this message that he has. And I want to encourage us today to know that if you are really living for Jesus, there should be people in your life that are attracted to who you are and what you're about and what you're saying. And I'm not I know you're not mishearing me. I'm talking about who you are as a person, what your message is, how you care for people, how you treat people, how you love people, there should be people that are attracted to that like a magnet. 
I will also say this. Because we also know in Jesus' life, even with great crowds, there would be many that would walk away. There would be many that would yell, crucify, crucify. So not only should there be an attraction to people, there also should be, we should repel people. There should, there should be something repelling about us because of our message. There is only one way, y'all. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And you know what? Not everyone is going to accept that. And so there is going to be, by nature, who we are as people, divisive. What we stand for, what we're about, that doesn't mean we have free carte blanche to be punks about it, to be jerks about it. That's not what we're called to be, but we stand for absolute truth. And a God who loves us and pursued us through Jesus Christ and made a way for us, but he is the only way. And there are going to be some people that are repelled by that. But here's what I notice. And it's not just Jesus. It happened to his followers too. They would be attracted to them and repelled by them. But guess what? What we don't see is anything neutral. You live in that neutral life and I guarantee it. Listen, I'm with you. Sometimes it's just so easy to be neutral. Right? Gosh, no, no waves. We just neutral. We don't stand up for anything. We don't stick out for anything. We just going along and neutral, trying not to attract, trying not to repel. And that's not the way of Jesus. That's not the life that we see in him. It's not his ministry. It's not his follower's life. It's not their ministry. And it should not be the testimony of us, what a neutral person that dude was, what a neutral person that sweet lady was. She didn't stand up for anything, stick out for anything. She just snuck on by. You want that to be your story? Your tombstone? What a neutral life this person left. Verse 2. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat, taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied. We worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down. Again, now some of you have read the Bible before, and you've read this passage before, and you're already thinking, I know what happens. Listen, have fresh eyes today. Jesus, give us all a fresh spirit today. So here he is. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard, didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let them down. Verse 6, and this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I am too much of a sinner to be around you. What an interesting response to a catch of fish. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also Amazed, 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 amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. Now again, Jesus made the expectation crystal clear. Here it is. We're going to go catch people. If you are a follower, we're going to go catch people. And if it was true for them, it's true for us. I want us to gain some, uh, I want us to understand some principles out of this passage that I think can help us in reaching this city. If we're going to reach this city, we have to, number one, gain perspective. Just like what happens with Peter, 
We need to get a new perspective. We need to gain perspective of the situation. Let me give you an example of perspective change. Let's look at this picture. All right? What is it? Rope. All right, what else? Hair. Mm hmm. Elsa's. Could be Elsa's. Leash. Okay. All right. What are you drinking? Sh yeah. You think that's a shoe? Let's pull out. What? Oh, here we go. All right. Josh is the one that had a quiet time this morning. Okay. Now, see, here's the thing. Sometimes in a situation, if we're so honed in or focused on one thing or, or even just confused, we might not see the whole picture. And so sometimes it helps us to gain perspective, looking at the bigger picture or, or just being able to understand, oh, this is what this is about. Like having a perspective like Josh, perfect. Knowing like, okay, let me really try to think what's going on. Let me take the time to kind of figure this out. And here Peter has this moment where he's able to, in essence, zoom out and say, wait a second, this isn't just about fish. He's amazed at, at the number of fish, okay? But he sees the bigger picture. He sees there's something unique, there's something special about Jesus. And not that he's just a great fisherman. He sees the bigger picture. Look, look uh, again at Luke 5. What does, he, what does he do? It says, when Simon Peter realized what had happened... He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. And he throws this in. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. He's awestruck by the number of fish that had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. He's like, I'm a sinner because he recognizes that in this miraculous catch of fish, there is something holy about this moment. Whoa, leave me. I'm not worthy of this. There's something about you. He is gaining perspective that there's something bigger to Jesus. There's something miraculous to Jesus. There's something supernatural to Jesus. And he has this perspective where he hits his knees and he cries out, Lord, I got sin in my life. I'm in awe of you. Peter and even James and John, in essence, are all saying, you're the boss, and since you're the boss, hold up. We know you can do whatever you want. So they like, we in. They, they, they leave their profession. They leave everything. And they throw all their chips in. They go all in. And they're like, we're in. And they follow Jesus. They had gained some perspective about who he is. And so I want to ask you, do you really believe God can do anything he wants and that nothing is truly impossible for him? Hold up. Look at the screen. Do you really believe that in the miraculous, supernatural God, that he can do anything he wants, that he is truly trustworthy, nothing is impossible for him? Do you believe that if you do and you gain that perspective, all shackles of fear should fall off? Believing in him, this should free you to say, I'm going after your mission, I'm going to reach the city. I don't care who's with me. I'm in. I'm putting my chips all in. They're all on the table. Let's go. When you understand who Jesus really is, that pours gas on the fire. And now you want to reach other people and other people to know Jesus as you know Jesus. 
all because of a perspective change. You get it. Hi, you the man. And you're not just the man. You're the son of man. And you're not just the son of man. You are God incarnate. Emmanuel, God with us. When you really encounter Jesus, you go from being afraid to share to now being afraid not to share. I can't keep this in. This God changed my life. He can do anything. And they got that just from some fish. Can anyone testify to God doing something in your life? You better. And if you have, it's like, whoa, hold up. I can't let keep this in. I got to let people know. You gain perspective of who God is, of who Jesus is. Not only do we gain perspective to reach the city, we get help. This is important when it comes to evangelism, the sharing our faith. Verse 7, a shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And soon both boats, not birds, both birds (laughs) were feared. Both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking, both of them. Now, I point this out because this is so contrary to how we are as a society. But this mission that we have, it really isn't a solo act. You all have responsibility. I have responsibility There's no doubt about it. But we're stronger in numbers. It would negate the importance of a church if we could just go be silos and do this on our own. We need each other. Peter says, I got to get you guys over here. This boat's saying, I need help. Y'all come help me. And as a church, a faith family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we got to get this right now. We need each other to reach the city. We need each other. I, I, sometimes I like working on my own. Let me just tell you. In, in this case, it's fool's gold. We need each other to truly reach this city. Peter needed James and John. We need help. Now, of course, Jesus is intentional. He's using fishing as an example. He's using it to teach a specific lesson. And we need to get it. Today, when we think of fishing, it's typically a rod and reel and one dude out in the water or on the boat or by themselves. That's not fishing of the day. It was a group effort. Even professionally, it was groups. And that's why Peter, James, and John are together in the first place. It would take a group of of men or a group of fishermen to cast the net, to pull in the fish. It was a group effort. It wasn't a solo act. And Jesus uses fishing to teach us a lesson. We need each other. We need people praying for each other. We need in community to say, hey, I'm sharing today. Would you pray for me? I'm building this relationship. We need to create environments and and events together to help each other on this cause. To see people, as many people come to know Jesus Christ as possible. It takes a village. We don't need to be so private about it because it's a spiritual act. We need to be more open and transparent about what our goal is and what we're trying to do to see people come to know Jesus. And that can be hard for me. I grew up in a very individualistic Christian faith paradigm. Just do it on your own. Quiet time, by yourself, all these things. And we need each other. Like I said, there's strength in numbers, and I get that now. And so we... We, we gain perspective, we get help from one another, but then ultimately we got to go fish. We got to go fish. Knowing who Jesus is and knowing we have support at some point should spur us into action. We got to cast the net. It's not happening without casting. And it's, it's better than just a rod and reel. It's better when we're all around the net and we throw it out. 
Jesus provided the opportunity, but the disciples cast the nets. Here's the reality, folks. The fish aren't jumping into the, the boat. It's going to take effort. It is going to take action. And I know it would be so convenient if they just hopped in the boat, y'all. Wouldn't it? Even then, we'd have to throw dynamite in, I guess. I don't know. But at some point, we got to do something. It's going to take effort. Not bad effort. It's not earning your salvation effort. It's serving the king effort. It's bowing down to the Lord of lords and king of kings and giving him all you got, going all in. It's throwing out a net. But I will give the disciples credit. They're in the water, right? <laughs> I, I, I feel like maybe the sad thing today is there are way too many Christians that aren't near the water. So that's a step to get into the water. And what does that mean? Get around lost people. Jesus told Peter exactly where to go. He said, go to the deep. Some of you, you're in deep water. You, your work, your school, your neighborhood. There's deep water around. Family members, they don't know Jesus. That's deep water. Okay, there's fish. But I'm just telling you, they ain't hopping in. We got to throw out the net. We got to be intentional. We have to speak. And your, your school, your neighborhood, your job, your little Groups that you hang out with, there are lost people there. We need to be intentional about this. And I believe this. I really do. I believe if you ask God, you can be perfectly positioned for a divine appointment in the life of someone who needs Christ. I believe that with all my heart. That if you would just say, God, I'm going to the deep. I'm going to the water. You will be perfectly positioned for that divine appointment for someone who needs to know Jesus. Maybe another way to phrase that is, and I believe God does this, he will put a seeking soul with a willing witness. If you would just put your yes out there and say, I'm a willing witness, God, there will be someone divinely appointed down your path that's a seeking soul. And if you would cast a net instead of just watch it swim on by, you'll start to see a miraculous catch of fish. Me included. But we in the sightseeing these days, we like the boats with the glass bottoms, and they just swimming on by. Oh, look, that person, we need to be a fork in the road for. Heaven, hell. A life now full of Christ and purpose, or a hopeless one. But we into that whale watching. We got a fish. We got to cast the net. You know, as a church, a lot of what we try to do with bless, your, bless the city and love your neighbor is to at least get us thinking and, and trying to help us be in positions where we're making a difference in the lives of those who don't know Jesus is trying to get out into water as much as possible. But it's going to take us being intentional with the relationships that we have. As a church, we can't program that all for you. And I'm going to talk a little bit just about I think there's some things that maybe we can help. But ultimately, it's going to be you saying, I want to share. I want to go. I want to reach the city. In Romans 10, it says, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? How can people that don't know, 
Okay, how can they believe? How can they be saved unless they believe? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Well, how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And, and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. This means okay, we need to get to the point where we're speaking it. Just being a listening ear or a shoulder to cry on doesn't cut it. Do you understand me? That is a step in the process, but it, it can't be the end all, be all. We are called to speak. How can they believe if they don't hear? How can they hear if no one talks? You can't just help someone and proclaim the gospel. You have to speak it. You can't just be a nice person, y'all. It starts there because if you're not a nice person, they're not going to hear the other part. They're going to say, why is this jerk telling me about Jesus? Okay? So don't negate the nice person. Like, well, I share Jesus, but I'm a, <laughs> yeah, I'm a punk the other way. No, no. We need, it works good together. But we got to share it. Sharing the gospel should be a natural byproduct of a Jesus follower's life. It should just come out. And some of you, you're put in positions, and you're really good at giving life wisdom. Why don't we just take it even a little bit further and say, you know, the, really the only reason I've made it this far is because of Jesus. And any good that's come out of me is because he's put it in me. Why can't we just take, I know what the J word, it, boy, that's the one. That's the one we get to and that's when the conversation can get cray cray. But we got to get there. Attract or repel. Be the fork in the road. Don't be neutral. And time is short. I say this, and, and, and with Kim all the time, we'll get in this conversation like, she's like, you are just, and I, this doesn't always apply to me. And sometimes she's like, you just, why were you so bold in that? I'm like, I don't know how much time I got left with that person. And I could be like, yeah, they might be leaving us soon. Who knows? They're going to get offended at something, so I might as well tell about Jesus before. <laughs> and so at some point, we got to get to that where we're casting it and sharing this great gospel and then who knows maybe we have to call in some other boats we need a bigger boat the jaws quote i screwed it up but whatever it was we got to get a boat bigger boat something we need some boats to catch some fish so here let's talk about 2020 so if this is our mission we want to reach the city we want to see people saved how can as a church we do this maybe together let me just say this for 2020 and the vision. See, the vision is more practically how you carry out the mission. Our mission is unwavering. I've had people that try to change our mission. That ain't happening. This is who God called us to be. Reach the city, reach the world one day at a time. And I'll explain it all. But the vision, there's some nuances to it. And God can, can give us vision how to accomplish this in different ways. The, the first thing that I want to see in 2020, listen, I want to continue to train and equip you to be able to lead someone to Jesus. That's important to me. And I feel like we do that, honestly. I don't know if we've seen the results or if you've been sharing, and, and I don't get to hear all the stories, but we, we want to continue to do that. One time I heard someone say, will you quit talking about how, to, how people should tell people about Jesus? I'm like, That's a, you want me to quit reading the Bible? 
No, we're going we're gonna to talk about it, okay? That is something that we'll do, and we'll try to find even creative ways to help us be better and more equipped to lead someone to Jesus. But secondly, I want to say this. I think for 2020, I, I want our gatherings to be even more evangelistic, not as the end game to our evangelistic strategy, but I want to do more practical topics and, and sermon material that would maybe even help you be more comfortable inviting someone that doesn't know Jesus to be a part of. Not where we ever water down the gospel or, or lessen an, a, a biblical authority or a view of God. That ain't me, never will be me. But something needs to change here or this thing's over. And so we gotta get going here. And, and I need you having conversations with people about Jesus and I want you to be comfortable enough to bring people here to further that conversation. If they give their life to Jesus, you're great. You, you were a part of that. It's not a bad thing. Don't mishear me. Ah, John got to lead my friend to Jesus. Boy, what a sucky day. <laughs> no, that's a great day, right? Okay? But also it's a great day if they come and you take them to lunch. You're like, what do you think about that? I don't, you know, I don't know. I had some questions about Jesus. And then they give their life to Jesus over some chicken. Is that a great day too? Amen. Yes. Thank you, Jacob. And so, amen. And so I, I want to see that, whether it, we're like, hey, we're going to talk about parenting or whether it's we're talking about the family or marriage or whatever. We'll, and we'll, we'll be praying through that. But we need to be specific with that. And we need to be inviting and helping people with the conversation you're already having. I would say, thirdly, I want us as a church to be more active in church planning, planting other churches. I believe it's four now that we've helped plant. And I hate saying that. There are churches that use those stats all the time, and they'll give one financial gift. There's maybe churches that have claimed to help us plant, and, and they would ask me, I said, you didn't help me plant. But that might be more wrong on my part, because I'm, I'm doing that now. We've helped four, basically because we've given a financial gift to the, to the plant. And you know what? For me, that's not good enough. I want us to do even more and more long-term when it comes to church planning. Guess what? It's going to take more resources. It's going to take more giving. It's going to take more people. But I want us to get going and be more active in church planning. I'm training a church planner right now that's going to plant in Edmond. And, and I don't want it just to be that. I, want, I took it because I want to be more active in helping plants. Did you all know we're a church plant? Yeah. Okay. Let's get over that where we're a church helping church plants. I don't think we're ever going to not be a church plant unless we're starting to really plant churches. Not just with one financial gift offering, but we're really in it. And that's what I want to do. Y'all with me with that? Let's do that. Let's help plant more churches. All, not just in Oklahoma. I'm talking about all over the world. But it starts with reaching the city. So I'm good with planting churches in this city. And so let's do that. I want to be more proactive in that. And then let me say this lastly, because I think this is where it's really going to be birthed out of. If you're in Luke 5, go to Luke 10. I want us to be praying something very consistently in 2020. And, and I'm going to get with some people, and we're going to have to creatively think through. And Carly, you help me, and we'll get our team together, and we'll think through how we can make Luke 10-2 a bigger emphasis for us as we pray. And I want you to start now with it. Let me read verse 1, and then I'll read verse 2. Luke 10, the Lord now chose 72 other disciples, sent them ahead in pairs to all the towns and places he planned to visit. Now this, I'm just giving you that little context to get to verse 2. This is key for us. These were his instructions to them. The harvest is great, but the workers are few. 
Can, can we just admit right now that's us? If you don't believe there's a harvest around here, you're wrong. Let's just say 10 miles. There's, a, there's 200 grand of people that don't know church. Minimum. Okay, there is a harvest. You say, well, there's a lot of church. Yeah, there's way more lost people. The harvest great, but the workers are few. So what's the remedy? Pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him what? To send more workers into his fields. Church, that's what we're praying right there. Luke 10.2. If you want to set your clock for 10.02, whatever. Let's pray this as a church. I'm telling you, nothing will happen if we don't pray. If you're not praying, I'm not praying, we're not praying. we got to get help. I'm getting help right now. We have to be praying this. And if we're not, we're going to stay like this or worse. we got to do something. And it's us seeking the Lord, asking him to do something. The miraculous, a large catch of fish. Well, we got to get a bigger boat. You understand me? Luke 10, 2. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into the field. That pray, some translations even say beseech, uh, is an, it's an aorus imperative. It's, it's a command. We know imperative, but it also the, is a, it means ongoing. It means you begin something and you just keep in, in perpetuity forever. So this isn't a one-off prayer for us. And we're going to start today. Praying this, but it's not a, you know what I mean by one off? Hey, throw it up and we're done with that prayer? No. It is an ongoing, in perpetuity, forever prayer. We are to pray to the Lord of harvest. You remember when Jesus said, remind them, teach them everything I commanded you? This is a command that Jesus gave. And he told his disciples, teach them everything I commanded you. And this is one of them. We should be doing this. Pray to the Lord. Here's our perspective change. Who's in charge of the harvest? He's, he's, in, he's the boss. He's the one in control. And what do we ask? That he would send more workers. into? Let's see what happens. That he would send more workers. And maybe it starts with us. And then maybe he gives us more workers. I'm down with whatever he wants to do. Because he's in charge of the harvest. But I, what I'm not down with us is us being apathetic. What I'm not down with us is watching the fish swim by the boat. I'm not okay with us being on the golf cart out on the land. You following? Let's get in the water. Let's pray all the way through and let's throw out the nets. And pray for the Lord of the harvest to send more workers. Sounds like a great prayer to me. And let's watch him do it. The church, this harvest... It's going to take us going all in. It's going to take us praying. It's going to take us giving. The more we do together, the greater the impact. So let's go. Let's start today. 
This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on, and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us, and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless. Thank you.